This is a podcast about Jeopardy. Hello and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes, and a quiz. I'm Emily. And I'm Kyle. And this is the week of March 28th, 2022. Emily, how are you doing? How was your week? Uh, it was, it was weak. It had seven days. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Um, I did sadly have the, uh, honor of officiating a funeral for Trey Kelso, who was, um, a Jeopardy alum from a while back and, uh, and a trivia buddy of mine and kind of a, kind of a giant of the trivia world. I think he, he also appeared on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I'm not sure what else uh, he may or may not have been yeah. on. I think and, I think Jeopardy and, and Millionaire were the big ones And he frequented uh, Geek Bowl and things like that, right? Yeah. And a big kind of community builder mm-hmm. uh, on and offline in the trivia world. Um, he also did a lot of work with um, like high school and college uh, quiz bowl sorts of competitions, various. Uh, I'm not sure which systems. I think more than one system, maybe like a lot, a lot of that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he was a great guy, and we're we're uh, really sad to have lost him. But uh, also, the funeral was. I mean, it was really lovely. It was lovely to hear from people from all different parts of his life, and uh, to have that gathering for for his family and for for friends from from the many different things that he did hmm. so yeah that was my week sorry that's kind of a downer but sorry, anyway I... how was your week kyle uh it was it was fine did a lot of teaching did some other stuff it was it was fine you know uh one of those weeks where like you just kind of do your thing and then it's over and you're moving on to the yep. next one so on to the next And speaking of moving on, let's move on to Jeopardy. Uh, On Monday, Mayim Bialik is hosting again, and we have the contestants Ryan Guzzo-Purcell, a theater director from Seattle, Washington, Amy Walker, an attorney from Chandler, Arizona, and Jackie Kelly, a pension calculation developer from Cary, North Carolina, whose one-day cash winnings total $7,500. And we have the Jeopardy round categories from the sky, rhyme time, the place to be with B in quotation marks, Crosby, Steels, and Nosh. We had some Nosh triple stumpers. Uh, Nobody took a guess at the $800 level where we were asked to name what fruit has types, including Northern Spy. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, or... I think Envy may have been capitalized Hmm. in the original clue. It's not on J-Archive, but I thought that they mentioned two varieties. Um, Yeah, apples. You don't know Northern Spy apples? Maybe they're they're an East Coast thing. Maybe. Uh, I also... We're we're pretty uh, picky about our apples. It's it's honey crisps or nothing for us in in this Mm. house. Yeah. I read something about how Honeycrisp apples are um, particularly susceptible to sort of cosmetic damage in transport, uh, which is why, A, they cost so much, mm. and B, 
you see all of the like honey crisp apple cider, uh, you know, like hun- like honey sold. crisp, like yeah, because because uh, once an apple has cosmetic damage, you can't really sell it as like an eating apple, mm-hmm. but you can still process it for other apple products. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, nobody knew the $1,000 level Tyler Florence's recipe for this includes four chicken breasts, half a pound of Gruyere, and four thin slices of prosciutto di parma. Um, Ryan tried what is chicken parmesan. Uh, that's not a bad guess, um, but chicken cordon bleu mm-hmm. is what they were looking for here. Although I was trying to come up with an Italian dish, like the, the prosciutto made me want to go for something Italian, although Gruyere, I guess, is... French, mm. Swiss, I don't know. Not so Italian. So I, I think, yeah, I think the dish I was trying to think of is called like chicken salt in boca or something like that. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, chicken cordon bleu is what they were looking for. Daily double number one is in the from the sky category at the $600 level. And Ryan finds it almost at the end of the round at the 26th pick. He has 3600 Jackie and Amy are tied at 2800 and he wagers 2000 and gets the clue. Online databases of crashes by these include quite a few of the U.S. military's Reaper and Fire Scout types. And he gets that one correct. It is drones. Hmm. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, um, Ryan has the lead with 6000. Jackie's at 3200. Amy's at 2400. And we have the double Jeopardy categories. British writers, colorful state symbols, doesn't mean what it sounds like. A Song at a Dance, The 1880s, and A Gathering of Animals Speaking Latin. That was all uh, references to animals by their, like, their formal, like, genus or, mm-hmm. uh, or, or genus and species, along with the collective noun for them. And then if you could get from either of those to the type of animal that that was being discussed that was that was how to re- get those responses yes two thousand dollar clue a cauldron of these order chiroptera that's bats a cauldron of bats what a good term i love animal group terms mm-hmm. love them so much business of ferrets what business do ferrets even get into absurd yeah Flock of starlings in flight is a murmuration. <laughs> how, do, how do these come about? Because someone has I, to decide, that's what I'm going to call that thing. And then other people have to be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I've heard that if they're not in flight, then they're a chattering. But that, <laughs> oh, no, I see it. I do see a chattering of starlings here. Ridiculous. Anyway, uh, <laughs> That's my that's my new favorite. That is a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Conspiracy of Ravens is always fun. Mm-hmm. Pen- yeah. Pandemonium of parrots. A parliament of owls, parliament right? Parliament of owls, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I have to say, except that Neil Gaiman was in the British writer's category. But hey, Neil Gaiman was in the British writer's category. Yes. Indeed he was. Yeah. <laughs> Got always got to get that in there. Mm-hmm. I had my kid in the room, and I turned to him and said, "He's the one who wrote Choose Day, which is like a children, like a like a baby like board book, and and also fortunately the milk, which is mm, like like an early 
maybe maybe I, I'd say it's geared to maybe like second, third grade. Mm. Um, and then I was like, and also a lot of things that you are not old <laughs> enough to read yet. Yeah. <laughs> Some of that stuff is not appropriate for children. Yeah. Uh, oh, anyway. yeah. A lot of Neil Gaiman. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My elder daughter is still trying to put into context how old she'll need to be to be old enough for certain things. So a lot of times, mm-hmm. so she'll just ask, like, you know, no, nah, you're too young for that. Will I be old enough when I am six? No. Will <laughs> I be old enough when I am 10? No. Will I be old enough when I am 80? Y- yeah. It's probably somewhere in between those, kid. <laughs> those are always, yeah. <laughs> always fun, fun uh, you know, dartboard conversations there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> Daily Double number two is in the 1880s category at the $1,600 level. It's pick number 12, and Jackie finds it. She is at 6000 Amy is at 3600 and Ryan is at 12800 And uh, Jackie makes it a true Daily Double. And the clue is, in 1885, the British captured Mandalay, ending the Konbong dynasty and the independence of this country. And uh, she gets that correct with, what is Burma? So she doubles That's right. up. right. Mm-hmm. And Daily Double number three is in the Gathering of Animals Speaking Latin category. And Jackie finds this one as well at the 18th pick. Uh, at this point, she has 13,600. Ryan's right behind her with 13,200. Amy's at 4,400. She wagers 2,400 and gets the clue a herd, or even better, an obstinacy of this ox-like waiting mammal, Bubalus Bubalus, which can hit 2,600 pounds each. I don't know if I said the Latin correctly. It sounded it's good. It's funny looking. It's funny looking Latin. Um, I do have, I mean, I have more experience pronouncing Latin than the average person between like church and choral singing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, she tries what is a mule, which is not a bad guess, but they were looking for a water buffalo. Yeah. I think waiting. Yeah animal there was mm-hmm. was the clue yeah so uh at the end of the double jeopardy round jackie has her lead at seventeen thousand two hundred. amy is at 7600 and ryan is at fourteen thousand four hundred. the final jeopardy category sports history and the clue taking the mound for cleveland in 1948 he was the first african-american to pitch in a world series amy did not Venture a guess. She left it blank, and she wagered everything but a dollar. Ryan got it correct with who is Satchel Paige. Satchel Paige, mm-hmm. important baseball figure. Uh, and he wagered 13500 So he jumps up to 27900 And Jackie also got it correct with who is Paige. Uh, and she made a cover bet of 11601 So she wins her second day. Mm-hmm. And on Tuesday, we have the contestants... John Darcy, an editor from Los Angeles, California, Jenny Bundy, a rabbinical student from Galesburg, Illinois, and Jackie Kelly, a pension calculation developer from Cary, North Carolina, whose two-day cash winnings at this point total 36,301. And we have the Jeopardy round categories around the world, TV shows first episodes, where there's a will, will is in quotation marks, African Americana, photography and fan fiction with a question mark that's dangerous there you know has jeopardy taken the plunge into 
talking about actual fan fiction I don't or think is, so. are they just are yeah no it, this is all fiction about fans yeah no i mean i know i know in this right. case they did not but no i don't i don't know that that's a line they're willing to uh willing to cross yeah for primetime syndication yeah somebody and i absolutely took this as a compliment told me once that they thought my preaching was like fan fiction about the bible <laughs> um <laughs> And like this was somebody who really likes fan fiction and likes you know like the idea that of like immersing yourself in the text enough to like find the gaps and the interesting like you know places that you can uh you know sort of wonder about something or imagine something or like make a connection people have mm-hmm. you know and so like that that's what she right. meant but it's a it it's the kind of compliment where when I repeat it to people they're often like hmm. said what <laughs> what kind of sermons are you giving yeah um they they're mostly g-rated <laughs> okay there's a triple stumper in the around the world category at the uh, 400 level it was the highest spot from the center of the earth is the top of mount chimborazo near the equator in this nation and nobody even offered a guess the correct response is what is ecuador and i was like I think that's Ecuador, but they said equator in the clue. Am I Mm -hmm. wrong? Am I wrong that it's Ecuador? Because they literally said Ecuador in the, like, in the clue? I thought that was very strange Mm. that they used the word equator, unless the, unless that was supposed to point you to Ecuador. But for me, it was, it was like too much. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe they just didn't, maybe they just had no idea and that's why they didn't offer a guess, but. Yeah. Uh, Daily Double number one is just the next clue down. It is the $600 level of Around the World. At pick number 14, Jackie finds it. She is at 6,600 already. Jenny is at negative 1,000. John is at 1,600. And she makes it a true Daily Double, which is awesome. Pick number 14 in the round. Mm -hmm. She gets a clue. This island capital is said to have been founded in the 9th century by the Viking Ingulfur Arnarsson. And uh, she gets that correct with what is Reykjavik? So mm-hmm. 15 clues in, she is at, she is above 13,000. And at the end of the Jeopardy round, she has moved up to 15,200. Jenny's at 1,000 and John is at 1,600. Uh, the double Jeopardy categories are, it happened in Egypt, idioms and expressions, current significant others, national days, accurate, and to five decibel places. Which Having five decibel places sounds like like that would be that'd be catastrophically loud. Yeah, if you had like five di- digit decibels. I knew I was starting to turn into a cranky old person when I downloaded a decibel meter onto my phone <laughs> to demonstrate to people that it was too loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, no, you're not that at all. Mm-hmm. They struggled with those decibel places. Actually, not a single one of the decibel places was got a correct answer. Yeah, although the $400 clue I took a lot of issue with. The the clue was, the National Hot Rod Association says this loud sport first topped 100 miles per hour on the Murdoch Dry Lake bed in the Mojave Desert. Jackie rang in and said, what is auto racing? And instead of mm-hmm. a be more specific, she was ruled incorrect. And I'm like... They are driving automobiles when they are drag racing. 
because the correct response is drag racing. And it's like, what else are they? Right. It's not like she said stock cars, right? If she said Mm -hmm. stock cars, that's technically no, they're not stock cars. But she just said auto racing. And yeah, yeah, she should have been prompted for that. Yeah, agreed. But all the others didn't even have like, they didn't even offer, I guess. Mm hmm. It had never occurred to me that silent movie sets were noisy. Yeah, but I guess like they like it explains it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you are not recording sound, it does not matter whether it's loud. Yeah, it's always important to remember that Luxembourg is a grand duchy. Yeah. So on the national days, twelve hundred dollar clue. Uh, this nation celebrates the Grand Duke's birthday every June twenty third, even though no Grand Duke has been born on June twenty third. That's Luxembourg. Yeah. Yeah, that's really how to get there. Uh, Daily Double number two uh, comes up in the idioms and expressions category at the $1,600 level. And Jackie finds this one at the third pick. Um, She's in a solid lead with 15,600 to Jenny's 1,000 and John's 1,600. She's just totally dominated the game up to this point um she wagers two thousand uh and gets the clue originally meaning too distant to be heard it now means totally different as in a blank blank from how it used to be um and she gets that one correct it is a far cry yep daily devil number three is in that uh two five decibel places category it's at pick number 27 john finds this one he's at four thousand Jackie's at 31,200 and Jenny's at 1,000. And John wagers 1,000, which is smart because he's not going to be able to catch her. uh, And he wants to kind of keep second place his. Mm -hmm. He gets the clue. Cover your ears in Belize's Coxcomb Basin. 14 troops of these animals released there in the early 1990s are thriving. And he doesn't offer a guess, but those are howler monkeys, which Mm -hmm. apparently are troops. Yes. This is not the uh, groups of animals category, no, <laughs> but but we're going to keep learning groups of animals. Anyway, uh, at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Jackie has a lock and then some with 30,800. John's at 3,000. Jenny's at 1,000. And we have the final Jeopardy category, Shakespeare's Women. And the clue, it is said of her, infected minds to their deaf pillows will discharge their secrets. More needs she the divine than the physician. And everyone gets this one correct. Jenny has, who is Lady Macbeth? Uh, she's wagered 750. John also has, who is Lady Macbeth? Uh, he did not wager anything to keep second place. Uh, and Jackie has, who is Lady Macbeth? And with a $24,000 wager, <laughs> uh, that brings her up to 54800 mm-hmm. Um And uh, gives her the win as we go into Wednesday. Yes, indeed. So on Wednesday, we have the contestants Joey Lavarius, a bassoonist and graduate student from Greensboro, North Carolina. Candace Orsetti, a writer and editor from Annapolis, Maryland. And Jackie Kelly, a a pension calculation developer from Cary, North Carolina, whose three-day cash winnings are now $91,101. And we have the Jeopardy round categories. Let's put on a show. Multi-sport athletes. Good line, famous name. The name in the middle. There's kind of like a before and after with a name in it. Join the crowd and give me some space. 
I noticed in this game, uh, Jackie started off in the thousand dollar clues. Mm-hmm. She did that in the last one too. Uh, yeah, or really, she did that in all of them. She she started at the thousand dollar level, which we don't we haven't necessarily been seeing in a while. No, a lot of. Mm-hmm. I realized James Holzhauer was on like two years ago at this point, but a lot, a lot of people after after James tried the the thousand dollar row strategy. Um, yeah, but but things kind of balanced out again. You have to be really good to pull off that thousand dollar row strategy. Yeah, because you're getting the hardest questions right off the top, mm-hmm. like without the kind of opportunity to kind of um, get the feel for the category at an easier level. Right. Name in the middle, I thought was kind of fun. It was two idioms. It's not quite the opposite of a before and after, but you only needed to provide the like the linking word, mm-hmm. which was also a name in all the in all cases. So at the $600 level cup of blank blow that was joe so cup of joe and joe blow are the two idioms in question yeah yeah was a was a fun gimmick i thought yeah it was interesting it was a different way to have to think about it yeah um daily double number 1 is in the join the crowd category at the $600 level and Jackie finds this one at the 23rd pick uh, she's at 7,000. Candace and Joey are tied at 2,000. Um, and she makes it a true daily double, which is gutsy, but, but good strategy mm-hmm. here, right? The, mm-hmm. Her contestant, her, uh, her opponents are both at 2,000. If she drops to zero, she can make it up in one double jeopardy clue, right. potentially, right? Like $2,000 is not a big gap to close. Mm-hmm. She gets the clue, in 1951, 7.5 million people came to a Manhattan ticker tape parade for this general who had recently been fired. And she gets that one correct with MacArthur. That's right. Yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, uh, she's in the lead with 14,600. Candace is at 2,800. Joey's at 2,200. And we have the double Jeopardy categories, a dish of Schubert, International Geographic, Magical Mystery Tour, Fashion with SH in quotation marks. Correct responses will begin with SH, mm-hmm. his, which you wouldn't necessarily get because the SH is in the middle of fashion. Right. Historical nonfiction and contractions. And I was surprised that Joey, who picked first, didn't immediately go for the Schubert category because he is mm-hmm. like stated a bassoonist. I would have thought that would have been his yeah. go-to. He went to fashion first. Jackie took over and eventually, in just a few clues, brought us over to the Schubert uh, category. And then Joey got four out of five of those. And the one that was a triple stumper really surprised me. This Italian composer, also associated with Mozart, discovered Schubert when he was seven and became one of his teachers. Nobody went for Salieri. I mean, I realize every passing year we are farther away from Amadeus being a major... Culturally relevant. Yeah, a major cultural touchstone. Yeah. Uh, but to like, for me, like people who don't know anything about Mozart, but have seen the movie, Salieri is a name that is like, you know, that name, right? Yeah. So it, it just, it kind of surprised me. I was, I was surprised mm-hmm. that no one, no one went for that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Joey had a few categories that went really well for him in this round. Makes for an interesting 
game dynamics graph on J Archive. Right, Jackie got out to this huge lead, and then you can see Joey's little line sort of starting to approach. Mm-hmm. Just climbing, climbing. Yep. Yeah, so he did well with the with the Schubert category. And Magical Mystery Tour was good for him as well. Mm-hmm. Nobody figured out that $400 level of contractions. This time-telling contraction lost its F centuries ago. Uh, that is o'clock. Yep, of the clock. Yeah, uh, that's what that means. Candace uh, produced a, a pretty solid French accent on the $2,000 level of contractions. Um to uh, come up with the French contraction that basically means okie dokie, which is d'accord. Mm-hmm. I think it was too good because Mayim hesitated before ruling it correct. <laughs> yeah, somebody had to be like, that's how you say it in French. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. It sounded like most of the letters weren't there, but that's that's how French is pronounced. Yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. true. All right. Daily Double number two is in the historical nonfiction category. Uh, it is at... The $1,200 level pick number 16, and Candace locates it. She's at 3,200. Jackie is at 16,200, and Joey is at 7,800. She wagers 3,200. Gets the clue, the Girls of Atomic City highlights the experience of women during World War II helping build the atomic bomb in this Tennessee city. She clearly knows it, but can't remember exactly what it is. And she guesses, what is Mm -hmm. Oakville? but it is Oak Ridge. Yeah. And Daily Double number three is in the Magical Mystery Tour category, which we mentioned a minute ago. And Joey finds this one. He's uh, he's just gotten the $400 and $800 level here and uh, uncovers this one at the $1,200 level as the 22nd pick. He has 11,000, so he's only 5,200 behind Jackie at 16,200, and then Candace is trailing with 3,600. He wagers 2,000 and gets the clue. In 1992's Aladdin, this villain weaves a spell so he can wed Jasmine and seize power. Does he care so much about wedding her? I'm not sure if he does. Um, Anyway, Joey knows that's Jafar. I mean, the wedding is to legitimize his power, and that's pretty much right. It, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that brings Joey up into a closer second place, but uh, probably wishes he had bet more there. Yeah. Yep. Because the last few clues of the round, uh, Jackie gets in and manages to uh, move herself up to twenty three thousand. Over Joey's mm-hmm. 11,000 and Candace's 4,000, which makes it a lock game for her. Yeah. Yeah. They get the final Jeopardy category, Americans in Paris. And the clue, in 2021, she became the sixth woman and first black woman to be inducted into the Pantheon in Paris. Candace did not get a correct year. What is Fitz... Or who is Fitzgerald? Uh, which I thought was an okay guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... She wagered everything and dropped to zero. Joey put who is Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, that is also incorrect. So he drops down a bit. And uh, Jackie got it correct with who is Josephine Baker, who notably mm-hmm. served in the French Resistance. Uh, and she wagered just nine ninety nine. So she moves up to twenty three nine ninety nine and gets us back to a round number for her winnings. Mm-hmm. 
And on Thursday, we have the contestants Christian Souvenir, a senior intelligence analyst from Brooklyn, New York, Evan Roberts, a chemistry teacher from Louisville, Kentucky, and Jackie Kelly, a pension calculation developer from Cary, North Carolina, whose four-day cash winnings total $115,100. And we have the Jeopardy Round categories Map Quest, In Memoriam 2021, Business Name Origins, Composers, Colleges and Universities, and Everything from A to A. Jackie seems to know her her classical music. She seemed pretty comfortable in that composer's category, especially starting at the $1,000 level there for pick number one. Yeah. Alex Trebek is shaking his head. $400 level of MapQuest, the Hudson Bay Lowland and the Saskatchewan uh, Plain yeah. are two of the land regions that extend into this Canadian province. Nobody guessed. Nobody even ventured a guess. That's Manitoba. That's right. Canadian geography. Mm-hmm. Daily Double number one is in the colleges and universities category at the $800 level. It's pick number 10. Uh, Evan finds it. He is at $2,400. Uh, Jackie's at $3,400. Christian is at 200 And he wagers 2000 which is close to everything, but I mean, might as well do it all, but he wagers 2000 Gets the mm-hmm. clue, this Illinois school was founded in 1851 to serve Ohio, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and part of Minnesota. And uh, whether he's just guessing or uh, if susses out the actual clue, he gets it correct with what is Northwestern. You have to you have to kind of put it together in retrospect mm-hmm. uh, because yes. what what counts as Western has moved since then. True. Yes. Yeah. Now, is, now that is Midwestern. Yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Jackie is at ninety two hundred. She had a very good Jeopardy round again. Uh, Evan is at fifty six hundred, and Christian's in the red at negative fourteen hundred. Uh, we get the double Jeopardy categories: the verb in the novel title, time for your medicine, on TV in the year 2000, where the streets have a name, she's only a bird, and in the Gilded Age. That verb in the novel title category was harder than (laughs) than I would have thought. Uh, They did, I mean, they they did pretty well, or at least uh, Jackie did. Uh, Evan got one of them, but... You just mm-hmm. you have to think of the title of the novel and then just give the the verb in it, like the eight hundred dollar clue, nineteen sixty. Regarding the title, Dad says it's a sin to do it, uh, and so you have to figure out that they're talking about to kill a mockingbird, and so the correct response is kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the they got all except the very first one. Um, uh, the first one that they hit in this category was the sixteen hundred dollar level. Uh, where the clue was 1926 Hemingway's World War One vet has medical issues. Um, and nobody took a guess. And then Mayim supplied the correct response, rises uh, from the sun also rises. And then I think, you know, they got they got the gimmick mm-hmm. and then were able to uh, to get the rest of them from there. Mm hmm. I, I really liked seeing Christian make it out of the red. He went a little further into the red in the beginning of the double jeopardy round. And then in the on TV in the year 2000 category, he, the $1,600 level came up and he, 
Uh, he got that one. Ryan Stiles, Colin Mockery, and Wayne Brady have flipped the non-script on this show. That's whose line is it anyway? Uh, that brings him up to negative 200. And then at the $2,000 level, this James Marsters character had a love-hate relationship with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He avoids the neg bait here. This is not a clue about Angel. And he knows that is Spike. And that's what brings him into... Uh, into positive numbers again. So I thought that was, that was great to see. Um, And then he got the next one after that as well um, about the Champs-Élysées. Yeah. I mean, of course you were happy to see that on a Buffy. Of course, I am always happy to see Buffy Mm -hmm. and to see contestants get Buffy questions. Correct. Especially when it's, you know, kind of a big turnaround moment. That's, that's very gratifying for me personally. (laughs) I'm very happy for you. (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> there was a clue about the Pullman strike, which if anybody wants to um, listen to my Pullman deep dive, mm-hmm. it's in the back catalog. That's right. There was also a clue about Edward Jenner coming up with the term yes. vaccine. Uh-huh. So if you want to learn about that, you can check out my vaccines deep dive. That's right. Um, Daily Double number two is in the where the streets have a name category at the 1600 level and jackie finds this one as the 22nd pick she has 18,400 at this point to evan's 10,800 christian is at 1800 at this point she wagers 2000 and gets the clue the name of this street in jerusalem is latin for sorrowful way and she gets that one correct it is via dolorosa Mm -hmm. but you have to be careful with the pronunciation as as i heard her say it it made me realize like it would be very very easy to say something like De La Rosa, because Della mm-hmm. is a very common like Italian. What, what would you just? I don't know what part of speech that would be, but it's very common in Italian. Uh, but you got to make sure it's Dolorosa to get the the sorrowful there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and daily double number three is just two picks later uh, in the time for your medicine category at the two thousand dollar level, and Evan finds it. He is at 11,600. Jackie's at 20,400. Christian's back at 1,800. And he wagers 5,000. He gets a clue four letter word for a boring person or a slow administration of a liquid like a saline solution. He gets that correct. That is drip, which I thought was a bit easy for a $2,000 clue. Yeah. But it works out for Evan because he, he gets himself up much closer to Jackie. Yeah. So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Jackie is still in the lead with 20,000. Evan's at 17,400. Christian's at 1,000. And we have the final Jeopardy category, Historic Places. And the clue, following a raid at this establishment in 1969, protesters confronted police by forming a rocket-style kick line. Christian came up with what is Central State University. I wonder... If he was thinking of Kent State. I also wonder that. Yeah. Anyway, he's wagered 700. That brings him down to 300. Evan has the correct response with what is the Stonewall Inn? Important historic place in Greenwich Village. Uh, that is correct. He's wagered 3000 That brings him up to 20400 And Jackie um, 
went the wrong direction with this one uh responding what is radio city music hall Mm -hmm. um that is where you will find the rockets yeah um so i see what her thinking was here but but that's not correct she's wagered fourteen thousand eight hundred and one. You know, a cover bet, um, but that drops her way down to fifty one ninety nine and gives the win to Evan. Yep. So her run ends after four games, but she is easily at the top of the four game winners with one hundred and fifteen thousand. Uh, so she's got a pretty good chance to be in the next tournament. Mm hmm. And uh, if she if she makes it look very well deserved, too. And on Friday, April 1st, we have the contestants Nell Klugman, a museum educator from Brooklyn, New York, Yan Chen, an anesthesiologist from Menlo Park, California, and Evan Roberts, a chemistry teacher from Louisville, Kentucky, whose one-day cash winnings total $20,400. And we have the Jeopardy round categories, Thank You, The Internet, History is Circular, Birth Month Flowers, Close Capitals, Musicals by Song Lyrics, and Magictives. How'd you do in the musicals category? Oh, I did great. Um, Did I get all of these? I did. I got all of them, so I would imagine you got all of them. (laughs) Yes, yes, I did. Um, The triple stumper at the $1,000 level, Some Enchanted Evening, You May See a Stranger. Um, uh, that's That's a tricky one to get to, but I did. It was South Pacific. Yeah, Some Enchanted Evening is, it comes up in trivia as, so that's the one to know from South Pacific, even if, yeah. even if you've never seen it. Like, I I don't know, it's been 20 years since I saw South Pacific, and I could not name, like, you could play the music for me, and I'd be like, mm, I don't know what that is. But I do know that Some Enchanted Evening is South Pacific. Yeah. I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair is also South Pacific, oh, that but that one doesn't come up so much, I think. Also something about a dame or dames. I remember dame. Um, oh, there is nothing like a dame. Nothing like a dame. Yes, that's the one. You're right. I still I have no idea how it goes. I just remember that that's what it's called. I, that was a that was a high school musical of the high school a bunch of my friends went to. So I have seen a production of South Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've um, seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, I have. I'm not sure I've seen the movie. Yeah, I, maybe I it should, was. Maybe I should. It was fine, as I recall. Um, at the $800 level of magictives, I came up with a different response. I don't think it quite fits, but I was pleased with it. Uh, the clue was, in another sense, this angry adjective is a symbol of Christianity. And I was like, rude! That's... <laughs> uh, R-O-O-D is a, an old English word for, for cross. Yes. Uh, yes, it is. Going way back to deep dives of yore. That was, I think, my very first one, maybe? No, your first um, one was on palmistry. No, no, my first one was palmistry. That's right. That's my, my second one. Maybe. Um, uh, I remember it being the very first clue of the Tournament of Champions that I did not know. Yes. And we have talked about that on the show. That's right. Oh, yeah. No, it was. I, I don't think it was my second. De- maybe it was my second deep dive. But yeah, no, we talked about it on the show. Um, so, yeah, I think because they are homophones, not homonyms, I think that makes it a definitely not. Um, but 
I was I was pleased with myself for you know for, for, find, <laughs> for finding finding a, a sort of alternative alternative answer that fits both senses. Um, but cross is what they were looking for there, right. and uh, and Nell got it. Yeah. Nell also almost ran the birth month flowers category. She missed the four hundred dollar clue. Greek words for gold and flower give us the name of this flower for November that's also associated with Japan's royal family. Uh, Nell guessed what's a marigold. But that's a chrysanthemum. Jan got that. Mm-hmm. I was expecting a few more laughs in Thank You, the Internet. Are <laughs> um, people... I, I mean, are... Is there an audience yet? I don't know that they have an audience in the th- in the studio. Oh, oh no! I mean, I I was expecting it to be a like a more meme driven category. Oh, you mean within the clues? You you yes. expected to to be the one laughing? I got gotcha. you. Yes, yeah. It was more like things that are on the internet, mm-hmm. like the ice bucket challenge and Project Gutenberg. Yeah. Daily Double number one is in the History is Circular category at the $800 level, and Nell finds it at the 22nd pick. She has 4400 Evan's at 5000 Jan is at $1,000. Uh, she makes it a true Daily Double and gets the clue... In 1989, Poland's regime and this union-based opposition movement held roundtable talks that led to the transition to democracy. She pauses for a long time. She almost runs out of time. And then at the last second, she says, what is the USSR? Um, Rather than just completely clocking out. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not correct. Um, Solidarity is what they were looking for. But I've got to hand it to her for, you know, blurting out something. Something. (laughs) Something. Yeah, USSR is a union. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not not a terrible guess. <laughs> but yeah, solidarity was the the democratic movement there. Yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Evan is in the lead with fifty eight hundred. Uh, Jan is at twenty four hundred. Nell has made it back up from zero to thirty six hundred in just the eight left final clues mm-hmm. of the round. Uh, that's impressive. Um, and we have the double Jeopardy categories: hood ornaments. Books and authors, historic names, setting the periodic table, acting presidents, and stately overlaps. These will be kind of portmanteau uh, with a state as one of the words that is being combined. Mm-hmm. Some of them, like it, it would have looked right, like it was... yeah. An, an orthographic portmanteau, but like yeah, we, a vowel is would be pronounced differently in one word than the other. Kind of yeah, or like the I mean the eight hundred dollar clue was a centrum chewable from the Gopher State, and Evan guessed what is centrum Minnesota, which is not what they were looking for. I mean centrum is in the clue, uh, mm-hmm. Nell guessed what is Asper, Indiana, which is also cool. Uh, and Eon got it with Vita, Minnesota. I kind of felt like Evan also should have got Centrum, Minnesota because, I mean... Yeah. It overlaps only on the M. Which is fine. But, yeah. No, they didn't 
necessarily preclude that. Yeah, like, I, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. There was apparently some controversy about Nell's response at the $1,200 level. The clue there was a trip to see animals in Africa that includes a side visit to Tucson. Mm-hmm. And um, she responded and sort of hesitated or reiterated a consonant. They took it. Uh, they were looking for something like Safarizona, mm-hmm. which is one of those, it works in print, but you don't say Arizona. Nope, normally or not. Or Safari, right? right? So, so how are you supposed to pronounce Safarizona, right? Um, and, and so she, she hesitated or maybe maybe reiterated the AR syllable and a bunch of people thought that that was not supposed to count. Yep. Apparently on Reddit, she indicated that her intent was Safarizona mm-hmm. um, and, and it was accepted. Which is good, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, she'd found both of the words. Yeah. Hey, we had um, the unsinkable Molly Brown. We did. Yeah. We had the Molly Brown house there in Historic Names. $1,600 level. They showed a picture of the Molly Brown house. Yes. We talked about Molly Brown uh, in the deep dive. Kyle did a while back. Indeed. Uh, Daily Double number two is... Very late in the round, it is pick number 28 in the historic names category at the $2,000 level. Uh, Nell finds it. Nell actually found all three. She is up to 20400 She has gone on a tear here at the end of the round. Uh, Evan is at 12200 Yun's at 1600 And she wagers 2000 and gets the clue. This Rhode Island mansion was named for the waves that crashed into the cliffs below it. And she gets correct with what is the breakers. And daily double number three. Oh, it comes up on the very next pick. I I somehow had not realized we hadn't hit a single daily double with three clues to go. Yeah. Um, and then I she I heard Mayim say, and you know, here here's daily double number two, and I was like, oh, like uh, <laughs> we've got we've got the next one coming as pick nine, number twenty nine or pick number thirty. Yeah, yeah. So it's at the eight hundred dollar level of hood ornaments. Um, and since Nell just had the previous daily double, uh, she uncovers this one as well. Uh, Evan and Jan's scores are the same. She is now at 22,400 and she wagers 2000 again. I would say $1 more would have been the number to wager. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is, there is $400 left on the board at this point. Mm. So it's not that she's, you know, she's not about to set the final scores before final jeopardy. Um, but 2000, if she gets it correct, will take her to exactly double Evan's score, which sets you up for a stressful wagering situation. Right. Like just lock the game if you can. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but anyway, she wagers 2000 and she gets the clue. Many believe London born Eleanor Thornton was the model for Spirit of Ecstasy seen on the bonnet of this luxury car. Uh, And they had an image there. And she, I couldn't tell if she knew it or if she was guessing. guessing. Um, But in any case, she said, what is Rolls Royce? And that was the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that $400 clue, she and Jan both took incorrect guesses. Yep. And Evan did not try it. It was a, vin- a an image of a vintage Ford where the hood ornament was also the cap of this 
Jan tried what is the gas cap, and Nell tried what is the engine, but they were looking for the, the radiator. Yeah, the radiator. Yep. I guessed that one. Nice. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, that's where that's where temperature is taken care of. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of the double Jeopardy round, uh, Nell is at 24,000, but Evan is at 12,200, so it's not a lock. And Jan is at uh, 1,200. And we get the final Jeopardy category, countries of the world. And the clue, some of this country's indigenous people want its name officially changed from its Dutch-based name to Aotearoa. Uh, Jan did not offer a guess, wrote what is, and blank, and wagered everything. Which I think strategically was not the right move. I think a zero bet is probably your best move there, given given what Evan is probably going to do. Uh, Evan wrote what is Curacao. That is also incorrect. And he did what he was supposed to and wagered 12,000. I mean, kind of. I mean, Nell only has to wager 401 to lock you out, so you basically got to bet it all. Yeah. Yeah. But he drops down to 200. And Nell got it correct with what is New Zealand. So she got it right anyway. Uh, and and is our winner. Mm-hmm. Nell played a good game. Yeah, she really did. Looking forward to seeing her back on Monday. Yes, indeed. So, that's the end of the week. And this is when we... Uh, Remind you that we have a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash potentpotables. You can go there to support us financially and get some exclusive content. Uh, like, you know, we do, we do be honest about it. Not a ton, but you can get, uh, early access to the quiz questions and, uh, some other, other stuff we have on there, um, outtake reels and such. So if you want to, slide us a few bucks a month, you can do that at patreon.com slash potentpotables. And if you'd rather direct your attention and money to something more worthwhile, we encourage you to check out blacklivesmatter.com, communityjusticeexchange.org, Stop Asian Hate uh, GoFundMe database, and rescue.org. Lots of good places to direct your funds, doing lots of good things in the world. Yes, indeed. Emily, yes. what am I talking about this week? Um, are you talking about solidarity? I am not talking about solidarity. It would have been a good topic, but no, not what I landed on. All right. What about Salieri? I'm not talking about Salieri. Okay. Um, Oak Ridge? I strongly considered Oak Ridge. It was, ah. it was my second choice, but... Uh, what I ended up deciding on is from the Thursday game in the MapQuest category at the $400 level. The Hudson Bay, Lowland, and Saskatchewan Plain are two of the land regions that extend into this Canadian province. That's Manitoba. And I said, you know what? Enough is enough. <laughs> Let's do some Canadian geography. Let's take care of this. All right. Let's Once get it. and for all. Let's get it out there. Let's do Alex Trebek a favor. And let's just talk about what is in Canada. Good. All right. So here we go. Canada is a country. It is a sovereign nation. And it is north of the United States. It is in North America. It is divided into 10 provinces and three territories. Uh, The country itself has a federal government, which is run by a parliament. 
and each province determines for itself what kind of government it has. However, all of them have some kind of uh, elected assembly. They have a parliament or a legislature or a general assembly uh, that makes their decisions. They may also have an executive uh, known as a premier. Those 10 provinces, I am going to list them out in order of uh, confederation. So the since the date that they became a province, Canada, its date of confederation was July 1st, 1867. And it began with the provinces of Ontario, Quebec, Nova Scotia, and New Brunswick. Those are the four original provinces. Following that, a few years later, was Manitoba, then British Columbia, then Prince Edward Island, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and then finally Newfoundland and Labrador. Mm-hmm. To put those in order, obviously, if you're like driving or something or listening and not looking at a map, that doesn't really help you. Uh, so I'm going to start from the east and go to the west. So farthest east is Nova Scotia. Then going west, there is New Brunswick. Uh, Prince Edward Island is kind of like up in between there. And it is, of course, an island. If you go directly north of there, you'll get to Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, which kind of extends out to the east as well. Then you get into the big province of Quebec. West of that is Ontario. Then you get into the, uh, the prairie provinces, Manitoba then Saskatchewan, then Alberta. And then finally, extending to the Pacific coast is British Columbia. Uh, and those are all kind of in a row, uh, latitudinally. And then you go north, kind of north of Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and British Columbia, and you get the three territories. Uh, you get from the east, Nunavut, then Northwest Territories, then Yukon, which might be a little confusing. Because the Northwest Territories is not as Northwest as Yukon. As Yukon, yes. Northwest yeah. Territories is not the most Northwest you can go in Canada. Uh, so keep that in mind, trivia folks. Yeah, Yukon is the one that goes up to the border of Alaska and out to mm-hmm. the Pacific. None of it, uh, notably covers a huge portion of land uh, and also uh, water. It has the vast majority of the islands and Arctic um, region. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go quick through them because there are 13 of these and taking more than, you know, if I take three minutes on each, that's 39 minutes. So, all right. So Ontario, it is one of the original provinces. It is located in central Canada. It is Canada's most populous province with 38.3% of the country's population. Uh, And it is the second largest in area after Quebec. Uh, Its capital is Toronto, and that is the largest metro area there. It is also where the country's capital of Ottawa uh, is located. Ontario is thought to be a term derived from indigenous origins, either Ontario, a Huron Wyandotte word meaning Great Lake, or possibly from Skanadario, meaning beautiful water uh, in Mm -hmm. the Iroquoian language. It consists of three main geographical regions, the thinly populated Canadian Shield in the northwestern and central portions, which is uh, more than half of the land. Uh, It doesn't support agriculture, but it is rich in minerals. There's the almost unpopulated Hudson Bay Lowlands in the extreme north and northeast, and then there's southern Ontario, 
which has most of the people. And the region of, of Ontario was, before European colonization, inhabited by Algonquian people like the Ojibwe, the Cree, and the Algonquin, uh, and Iroquoian Wyandot here on uh, in the farther to the southeast. Uh, so that's Ontario. Quebec is the largest region uh, by land and the second largest by population. Uh, much of its population lives in the urban areas along the St. Lawrence River. Its most populous city is Montreal, and its capital is Quebec City. It is the home of the Quebecois nation. Obviously, from you, you can probably tell from uh, pronunciations, it is uh, its official language is French. English is not an official language of Quebec. Between 1534 and 1763, Quebec was called Canada, and it was the most developed colony in New France. But after the Seven Years' War, Quebec became a British colony. Mm. And the name Quebec comes from an Algonquin word meaning narrow passage or strait. Uh, moving on. Nova Scotia. It is one of the three maritime provinces and one of the four Atlantic provinces. So the uh, maritime provinces are New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island. The Atlantic provi provinces are... Uh, or those three, and Newfoundland and Labrador. Mm -hmm. It is the most populous of the Atlantic provinces. It's the country's second most densely populated province and the second smallest province by area uh, after Prince Edward Island. It includes Cape Breton Island and 3,800 other coastal islands. The peninsula that makes up Nova Scotia's mainland is connected to the rest of North America by the Isthmus of Chignecto, which is a fun word. Yeah. Its capital is Halifax, and Nova Scotia, of course, means New Scotland in Latin. So if you're ever, ever hearing a New Scotland thing, there you go. Mm -hmm. That's Nova Scotia. Uh, you can tell it's Nova Scotia by its flag, but its flag has the blue cross on a white field, uh, but then it has uh, a lion crest in the middle of it. So it looks like Scotland's flag with a crest in the middle. Next one, New Brunswick. It is one of the three maritime and one of the four Atlantic provinces. It is the only province with both French and English as its official language. It's bordered by Quebec to the north and Nova Scotia to the east and the Gulf of St. Lawrence to the northeast. And, to, and it also borders the U.S. state of Maine. New Brunswick is about 83% forested and its northern half is occupied by the Appalachians. New Brunswick's largest cities are Moncton and St. John, while its capital is Fredericton. In 1969, New Brunswick passed the Official Languages Act, which began recognizing French as an official language along with English. They have the right to receive provincial government services in the language of their choice. Hmm. About two-thirds are Anglophone and one-third are Francophone. New Brunswick was named in honor of King George III, great King of Great Britain, King of Ireland, and Prince Elector of Brunswick-Lüneburg in what is now Germany. Hmm. So that's why it's New Brunswick. Manitoba, moving in the other direction. <laughs> it is a province of Canada at the longitudinal center of the country. It's the fifth most populous province. It has a wide, varied landscape, considering how far north it stretches and then into the south. Indigenous peoples have inhabited what is now Manitoba for thousands of years. Uh, and in the 17th century, British and uh, French fur traders began establishing settlements, and uh, the rest, not getting into history of colonization uh, today, so there's that. 
Manitoba's capital and largest city is Winnipeg, and it is the uh, seventh most populous municipality in Canada. And the name Manitoba possibly derives from either Cree, uh, the Cree language for uh, uh, Manitowapau, or Ojibwe Manaduba, both meaning Straits of Manitou, the Great Spirit. Hmm. Which is interesting. I'd like to learn yeah. more about Manitou. Anyway, it is one of the prairie provinces. So we're into the, the middle of the country, and these are they have uh, more agriculture here uh, and less population than, you know, Ontario and Quebec. British Columbia. I'm, I'm going in order of, like, you know, uh, Confederation and all that. So, yeah. British Columbia is the westernmost province in Canada. Uh, it borders, like, the Pacific Ocean. On the other side, it has the continental divide of the Rocky Mountains. Got lots of mountains, lots of... British Columbia, from what I understand, is a very beautiful place. Mm. Uh, First Nations inhabitants groups include the Coast Salish. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, but I'll try it. The Silhokotin or Chilkotin and Haida people. British Columbia's largest city is Vancouver, which I discovered today by looking at a map. Vancouver isn't necessarily on Vancouver Island, but the capital city of Victoria is on Vancouver Island, which is weird to me, mm-hmm. but it is. The province's name was chosen by Queen Victoria. It's a pretty straightforward name. Mm-hmm. Prince Edward Island, abbreviated PEI, often referred to in that regard. It is the smallest province in terms of land area and population, but it is the most densely populated. Uh, it has several nicknames, including Garden of the Gulf, Birthplace of Confederation, and Cradle of Confederation. Its capital and largest city is Charlottetown, and uh, the backbone of the economy of that island is farming. It produces 25% of Canada's potatoes. Hmm. Also does a good amount of fishery, tourism, and aerospace. Yeah, it's named Prince Edward um, after Prince Edward, Duke of Kent and Strathairn, fourth son of King George III and father of future Queen Victoria. Uh, Saskatchewan. It is a prairie and boreal province. Uh, it is the middle of the three prairie provinces, bordered on the west by Alberta, north uh, Northwest Territories, and on the east by Manitoba. Uh, on the south, you find Montana and North Dakota. It is landlocked. Uh, it has about 100,000 lakes. Residents primarily live in the southern half of the province. Um, the northern half is very, very sparsely populated. Its largest city is Saskatoon, and its capital city is Regina. I believe it is. I believe they pronounce it Regina. I think that's what I've heard. Yes. It was also inhabited by various indigenous groups for obviously thousands of years, um, much like most of Canada. Uh, and in 1992, the federal and provincial governments signed a historic land claim agreement with the First Nations in Saskatchewan. Uh, they received compensation and were permitted to buy land on the open market for the bands. Uh, they've acquired about 3,079 square kilometers, now reserved land. Mm. The name is derived from the Saskatchewan River, which comes from swift flowing river in the Cree language. Uh, Alberta is the third of the prairie provinces. It is bordered on the west by British Columbia and on the east by Saskatchewan and Northwest Territories to the north. It is the fourth largest province by area and the fourth most populous. Its capital is Edmonton and its largest city is Calgary. Alberta has a lot of oil and natural gas. It provides about 70% of Canada's oil and natural gas. 
And uh, Alberta was named after Princess Louise Carolina Alberta, fourth daughter of Queen Victoria. Princess Louise was the wife of John Campbell, Marquess of Lorne, Governor General of Canada from 1878 to 1883. So there you go. Uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, sometimes abbreviated as NL, is the easternmost province of Canada. It does reach out into farther away, but it also goes farther west than any of the other Atlantic provinces. It is composed of the island of Newfoundland and the continental region of Labrador to the northwest. So it is two like distinct land masses. Uh, about 94% of the population lives on the island of Newfoundland, of whom more than half live on the Avalon Peninsula. So the, the population is very densely concentrated. Its largest city and capital is St. John's. Uh, the name Newfoundland was uttered by King Henry VII about the land explored by Sebastian and John Cabot. In Portuguese, it is Terra Nova, literally meaning new land, uh, and it's also the French name for it. So that's where we get it. And then Labrador uh, comes from the uh, Inutitut or Inukitit language uh, for the big land. Uh, the Nor- okay, so those are the, those are the provinces. Those are all 10 provinces. And we have three territories. Uh, so when you go farther to the north, to the Arctic, the more Arctic region, you get the three territories. They are far less populated. They became territories in the following order. Northwest Territories in uh, July 15th, 1870. Yukon on June 13th, 1898. And Nunavut, April 1st, 1999. I remember that happening. I remember hmm. that being a big deal, that there was a new territory. They each get one house, one representative in the House of Commons and one representative in the Senate uh, of the federal government. Um, so there is representation, but it's more of a token representation mm. uh, than any real power. They have no inherent sovereignty, uh, and they are all uh, north of latitude 60 degrees uh, north. Northwest Territories is approximately 1.14 million kilometers and has a pop and a 2016 census population of 41,790. Huh. Uh, yeah, it is v- very, very sparsely populated. Its capital city and largest uh, metro area is Yellowknife. Obviously, its name is the Northwest Territories. Yep. It's like, there's not much... <laughs> Uh, to it, but it has other names. <laughs> After Colonel areas. Northwest. Right, right. Well, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Northwest. <laughs> Colonel Northwest is my father. Um, so there are basically four cities, Fort Simpson, Yellowknife, Inuvik, and Saks Harbor, but Yellowknife is the only one to really know. Um, and it is mostly uh, tundra and Arctic climate. Uh, the Yukon is the smallest and westernmost of the Canadian territories. And it has a population of 40,232 as of a 2021 census. Whitehorse is its capital and also the largest metro area, which is the largest settlement in any of the three territories. Uh, Yukon was split from the Northwest Territories in 1898 as the Yukon Territory. Though officially bilingual, the the territorial government recognizes uh, many First Nations languages. I should mention with the Northwest Territories... The official languages of the Northwest Territories is uh, Chipoyan, Cree, English, French, Gwich'in, Inuinukton, Inukitut, oh man, I'm going to do these so bad, Inuvialukton, North Slavi, 
South Slavey, and Tlicho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lots of lots of official languages there, which is cool. It was cool. Yeah, I recognize cool. it's like yeah. <laughs> we don't have a lot of people here anyway, we might as well not argue about it. Yeah. Um so that's the Yukon Territory. Uh it's named after the Yukon River. And uh if I do recall correctly, I believe this is where the uh Iditarod race happens. Mm. Also the Klondike Gold Rush. So Yukon's got some historical things to know. And then finally we have Nunavut, the newest territory. It is the largest and northernmost territory of Canada. It was established on April 1st, 1999, just 24 years ago. It is the fifth largest country subdivision in the world, and North America's second largest after Greenland. Uh, it is on Baffin Bay, and the capital, Iqaluit, which was formerly known as Frobisher Bay, is on Baffin Island uh, in the east. Other major communities include Rankin Inlet and Cambridge Bay. None of it has a population of 39,589 people, consisting of mostly Inuits. None of it means our land in the native language of Inukitut. Hmm. There we go. Great. That is the geography, or at least the provinces and uh, territories of Canada. Obviously, there are some major waterways. You know, you have Baffin Bay, you have uh, the St. Lawrence, but not going to get into those just... There are the provinces and territories, and there are their capitals. Nice. Yeah. Take that, people not remembering Canadian geography on Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Cool. Are you ready for a quiz? Uh, yes. These have to do with Canada. That's what I titled my document. Canada, eh? Canadian stuff. All right. Here we go. Question one. This one is only vaguely related to Canada, so I'll get it out of the way. In Marvel Comics, there is a technologically advanced race ruled by a fascist empire. That empire pops up all over in the comics. It has appeared numerous times in the MCU as well, of particular importance to the plots of Captain Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy. The name of this race and empire is a homophone of one of the largest First Nations in Canada, though the first letter is different. What is that alien race? Oh, no. And I will say it is one that I mentioned a number of times in Ah. my deep dive. Like, I... I can remember some MCU scenes, but I can't remember what the people are called. And I can't remember which First Nations came up numerous times. Trying to go through the ones in my head and see, see if I can figure out a, like even a decent guess. (laughs) Like, choose a First Nations and change a letter. <laughs> right. Um, it's too many possibilities. All right. No, I don't have a good guess. I'm going to say Inuit and just take the zero. Uh, that would be the Cree. Oh. But they spell it with a K in the comics. Ah. Um, yeah. The alien race, especially with uh, Captain Marvel. Spoilers was trained by the Kree and sent back to Earth as a spy, supposedly. Yes. Um, yes. That's the that's the plot point I was remembering, but I couldn't remember what they were called. Yeah. I 
It's interesting to me that, I mean, I realize you just, when you're making stuff up, you just make up a name. And if you've never heard of that word before and it happens to be similar to something else, like, oops. But, I don't know, feels weird yeah, to have it does an entire weird. alien race who are the, like, enemies of humanity to also be a homophone of a native population. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, that's the Cree. Okay, question two. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure how good you'll feel about this one either. I think you'll do okay, though. Uh, for one point each and a bonus if you get them all, name the nine professional teams in the big four of North American sports that are based in Canada. Oh, no. And I will even... I'll, <laughs> I, will, I will help you narrow it down. There are seven hockey teams, one basketball team, and one baseball team. Seven hockey teams. One basketball team and one baseball team. Mm-hmm. So you All don't... Right. Okay. Well, the hockey teams are where I'm really gonna go astray, but I am pretty sure that the baseball team is the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay. And... Pretty sure the basketball team is the Raptors. Drake's favorite. Uh huh. And there are hockey teams in my brain somewhere. There's one that's coming to mind, and I'm like, is it still a team? Uh oh. I hope it's still a team. Um, <laughs> the Oilers. Are they still a team? Or can you not tell me yet? I'll tell you. That's correct. Edmonton Oilers. Yes. All right. Cool. Um, Wayne Gretzky was on the Edmonton Oilers. Yes. That is is why I know that one, is that I uh, started watching a documentary about (laughs) Wayne Gretzky when I was trying to get better at sports. And look, it just got me one point. (laughs) (laughs) The Maple Leafs. Yes. I'm not sure I could have told you what sport, but by process of elimination, it's It's got to be hockey. Yes, Toronto Maple Leafs, yes. There we go. Notably, Leafs, not Leaves. Okay. Mm -hmm. Somehow I had it correct in Mm -hmm. my brain. Um, And I'm not sure I have any more in my brain. Yeah. Yeah, no, everything that's coming to mind, I'm like, well, the Bruins are a hockey team. I was like, yes, I know it. They are yeah, a hockey no, team. That's yeah, they are. They are. I, I, but I know what city they're they're from. Similarly, the Red Wings. Um, so, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I got almost half of a sports question right, and okay. I'm gonna stop there. All right, you got four points. Yay! Uh, four points. Also, the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, I've heard of that. The Ottawa Senators. Mm. The Winnipeg Jets. Uh huh. Calgary Flames. And the Vancouver Canucks. Ah, the Canucks. The Canucks. Yes. There you go. All right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it could be worse. That's about where I where I thought you'd land. Um, all right. Question three. What annual awards begun in the 1970s are given to Canadian musical artists and bands to acknowledge their artistic and technical achievements in all aspects of music. They are named for the first president of the Canadian Radio Television and Telecommunications Commission, not a nearby U.S. state capital. Huh. I don't know if I know this. I can give another hint. Yeah, give me another hint. They are also not named for the Queen of Roman Mythology. 
huh the queen of roman mythology nearby state capital was that the wording you used there i i did which i realized could be a number of them because canada borders a lot of states that's true but i mean this one is like so close to canada oh Is it Juno? It is Juno. Ha! It is the Juno Awards. Ha! Well done. Good good way to way to way to get there. Although it is spelled J-U-N-O, like like Jupiter's wife. Mm-hmm. Um but it is named for Pierre Junot, who was the first president of the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission. And oh. that is spelled like the city, Juno. So yeah, there you go. It's the Canadian Grammys is, is the Juno Awards. Nice job. All right, you're up to 14 points. This one I have no idea if you're going to be able to get. It's, I don't know, it's just something I had to get out of my brain. Uh, question four. Canadian television is known for turning out great shows like uh, Shit's Creek. And, uh, I guess this multi-generational saga set in Alberta, Canada, and centered on a family getting through life together in both happy and trying times. That's a quote from IMDb, not from me. They run a ranch, which shares the name of the show, where they rehabilitate horses and people too. Some people must think it's a good show because it's on its 15th season. What CBC show am I talking about? Its title could also be used to describe any part of the U.S. that a politician might claim has, quote, good old-fashioned American values. I guess not quote. I guess it wasn't really a quote. Mm. Huh. I don't think I've heard of it. My wife has watched all 15 seasons. And the the acting is so bad. You started the you started the question and I was like queuing up Canadian shows in my head, I but I don't actually know that many Canadian shows. Right. It's definitely not Letterkenny. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I could ask about Letterkenny. Uh, it's also definitely not Kim's Convenience, which is the other Canadian show that. Oh, uh, that's right. Kim's Convenience is a very good show. Kim's Convenience is a great show. It's so good. All right. Well, I don't know the show, so we're trying to come up with a phrase that connects with. Old-fashioned American values. Um, yeah, like where might you find those? Let's say Heartland. You are correct. What? No, I'm not. You are. It is called Heartland. <laughs> All right. Well, that that was an excellent clue because I have never heard of that television That's show. why I included it because I was like, Inle- unless you've actually watched it, there's no way. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, no, my wife loves it because she's a horse girl at heart and... <laughs> goodness gracious the acting is so bad Mm. anyway nice you're up to 24 points and question five a series of wars between the iroquois backed by the dutch and english colonists and the algonquian allies backed by french colonists occurred from 1603 until 1701 those conflicts saw the destruction or dispersal of a number of first nations groups including the mohicans and the wyandotte hurons at the hands of the victorious iroquois One of the primary reasons for Iroquois aggression was to increase access to the fur trade, 
which animal is that series of conflicts named for? And, as a clue, its population was severely reduced during that time. Hmm. The fur trade. I don't think I know the conflicts. Um, so I'm trying to think of suitable, mm -hmm. like, fur animals. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to pick one. Thinking about rabbits. Thinking about beavers. I seem to remember beavers coming up a lot as a fur animal. Although, like, maybe not for coats. Maybe yes. I don't know. There's all the, like, weaselly kinds of ones. I'm going to go with beaver. That's a good choice. It is the Beaver Wars. Ha! Beaver Wars. Yeah, and boy, howdy, did they overhunt beavers. Not just the Iroquois, but like, you know, the, the European settlers and everyone overhunted beavers. Mm -hmm. Did a real number on them. Also did a real number on both the Iroquois nations and the Algonquian nations. Like, those conflicts were not good. <laughs> yeah. If you want to dive into the Beaver Wars. Uh, all right, you're at 34 points. Not bad. I, I I figured this would be kind of hard, but you did you did good. Um, yeah. And the final, oof. Oh, what should I title this? Um, I'm gonna go with sketch comedy. Oh, um, I'm at 34 points. Mm -hmm. uh, let's wager 16. Okay, not feeling too confident. Okay, not super confident. No. Here's your clue or question, I guess. Bob and Doug McKenzie, portrayed by Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis on Second City TV, became a sensation quite by accident. The CBC needed an extra two minutes of filler for their Canadian broadcast and asked for Canadian-specific content. The two comedians improvised on Canadian stereo stereotypes as a joke, but ended up playing the roles for multiple seasons and even landed a feature film. What was their segment called, which is also a three-word nickname for Canada? Huh. I have no idea. I can, I can give you a, a really weird clue if you want. All right, sure. Let's try a really weird clue. Uh, if you were to follow Broadway's three-word nickname up out of New York, you might get there. Oh, is it the Great White North? It is the Great White North. That is a very circuitous way to get there, but it worked. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is the Great White North. Uh, yeah, and if you've never, um, I mean, this is this is before our time, I believe, but it's pretty funny. And they just like so the like the the American broadcast was two minutes shorter than the Canadian broadcast. Mm -hmm. And so CBC executives were like, we need two extra minutes of content uh, and we want it to be Canadian specific. And so Moranis and Thomas were like, what does that even mean? What do you mean Canadian specific? So they just like played these, you know, Canadian stereotype characters and people loved it. They just huh. loved it. And then one day it got aired in America and Americans ate it up. <laughs> they absolutely love it was yeah and then they got a movie like a spin-off movie of it called strange brew it's wild so there you go look at you you got 50 points on your canada quiz well alex trebek would be proud that's right it's all for you <laughs> uncle alex yeah um well this was very fun thank you 
And uh, thank you listeners for spending your time with us. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or review if you would. If you want to check out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash potent potables. And if you have friends who watch Jeopardy, let them know about our podcast. You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables, on Twitter at Potent Potables 1. Our email address is potentpotablescast at gmail.com, and our website is potentpod.com. We'll be back next week with another week of Jeopardy. And until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker. Mm-hmm.